You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys and welcome to Locked On Marlins with me your host Peter Pratt. Thank you for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. We are back on Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a, a good Tuesday. It is sunny here in the UK, not a cloud in the sky. Love to see it. Guys, just a reminder, Locked On Marlins, we are now currently on a three episode a week schedule. So slightly shrunken schedule from well, when when baseball is actually in, in full swing. So for now, as we're in this lockout and in the off-season, we are scaling things back slightly to three episodes per week. So the guests will be coming thick and fast. There's tons of real fun guests lined up, and we'll be looking forward to bringing them to you in the coming weeks. What have we got in store for you today? Today, we are going to reflect backwards on last week's session between the owners and the players' union and the CBA discussions to effectively dig into what we learnt, what was discussed and what wasn't discussed and what impact it has for the Marlins. They're the kind of key bits. This is a Marlins pod and we need to look at what it means for the Marlins and the roster we have right now and the types of guys we have now. So we'll be doing that and tying it together. But fundamentally, this is more of a big theme, CBA, deep dive uh, and analysis on, on what we learned. So I think it's the, the first thing just to kind of kick things off is it's productive to see that discussions have started. And by all accounts, discussions lasted longer than seven minutes. It was a virtual discussion. I believe it was primarily uh, the owners presenting proposals to the players' union. So that was that was the main premise of what went on. And listen, we're into January, and they're talking. The sides are talking, clearly. At the moment, there's no baseball activity scheduled. So there's no reason to panic. There's no reason to panic right now with negotiations. They all heighten around specific, I guess, milestones and timeframes. That's the bit. The moment, the milestones and timeframes, just they aren't intrusive to negotiations. So it's all about conversation. And so for me, it's good and encouraging that we we had conversation happening. We weren't expecting a deal to be brokered in mid-Jan. I don't think so based on where we're up to. So... You know, it's just, it's part of the process, guys. This is a process. However, there were some topics, and this is kind of, let's let's kind of get into what was shared with us. I wasn't on the call, so I'm using second, third, fourth, fifth-hand knowledge here, but just kind of summarizing what I believe we've, we've gleaned from this. So the main bits that we did learn, I think, was that the, the draft lottery, which I think was interesting, was discussed. I, I've been, you know, this was mooted a few months back and I'm not really clear on what a draft lottery is, but anyway, the, the major league uh, owners, they put they put forward a, a potential draft lottery. So at the heart of this, why are they considering a lottery? Um, there clearly is a problem with baseball in terms of, uh, I, I, for want of a better description, tanking. It's trying to keep teams competitive so the product is competitive. And... If, uh, the, uh, if there is an incentive to teams to not win baseball games so they can scoop up the best players in the draft, which is at the absolute heart of, of what American sports and franchise sports is all about. There's no relegation, right? There is no stick. There is only a carrot. And that is at the heart of the problem. There's a carrot for teams not to win games or not to 
have a roster built to win games. The players, the players aren't on the field trying to lose games. Let's be absolutely clear about that. The guys on there are trying to win day in, day out. This isn't a shot at the players. This is a shot more so at the front offices, the ownership groups that are making decisions on the types of players that they have on the rosters and giving themselves a chance to win or to not to win or making a decision to uh, make some moves that to the detriment of the in-year performance. Let's call it that. So that's at the heart of these discussions. It is a problem for baseball. It is. In a 162-game season where you've got so many teams seemingly that are trying, that are set up not to win. I'm going to say, trying not to win, I think is unfair. That is set up not to win games. Then that's a problem because all it means for, I mean, 162 games is a long time, but it means that there's a long time where fans' eyeballs will disappear. They will go and look at other and watch other things. There's so much available to people these days in the social and digital worlds. There's so much. And if you, if your product is terrible, be it, you know, whether you're watching on the television or whether you're watching actually going to the ballpark, if your product's terrible, the fans, as we've seen in Miami and in other, in other cities as well recently, the, the attendances take a massive hit. I mean, look at the Rockies. They, their attendance was, I mean, there was like a million less fans through the turnstiles last year. Massive for them. Massive, massive drop-off for the Rockies. And that's, that's at the heart of this. But they're incentivized to not win games towards the end and, and scoop up the best players in the draft. And it shows, like history shows us, that those top five picks, are they're lucrative. They will lead to a, significant, a sig- significantly higher opportunity or percentage that you have an above-average baseball player from those picks versus later in the draft. And of course, you unearth these nuggets along the way. But that's, that's the carrot for these teams. So what, what, what's baseball doing about it? And I think the good thing for me is the, the league and players are aligned on this. So that's the first thing I must say. Both parties are talking about this topic in the same way. So that's a positive. That says to me that this has a good chance of getting done, whether it's the right thing or whether it removes the needle. Let's wait and see on that. But a draft lottery, what is it? Well, effectively, if you finish in a certain range of spots you aren't guaranteed the pick that where you've maybe ended the regular season. You end up being drawn with a chance, you have a reduced chance of actually picking first or second or third overall. Um, and it's more tied to, you know, there's some lottery or some luck associated to it. And I have to be honest, I don't know a lot about it. Um, you know, I know it's been implemented in the NBA. I think the NBA and the NFL are very, very different in terms of what the draft does for those teams. And... In many ways, the incentive is likely even greater in those in those leagues and those sports because the impact is immediate. The difference with baseball is these first-round picks are two, three, five years away, depending on whether they're college or, or high school guys. And so that's the difference is even if the you know, even if the Orioles are picking first or whoever's picking first, the pick the the first round pick, then 101 isn't going to be on the field for them at the major league level this year. Or any none of these first round picks are going to be on a major league field. And so they're not immediate impact guys. And so I think in many ways these organizations are just they're just bad organizations right now. Their major league rosters and teams are just in a bad spot. And so 
like I'm not I'm not completely sure I can see the overall benefit of doing this um, because the impact is 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 watered down. It's in the future. It's it you know it's a future occurrence that may or may not happen depending on whether the players pan out or not. Um, you know, there's various factors that go into it. So no one's a sure thing and they have no immediate impact. And what that means is I'm not sure the lottery really moves the needle in any way, to be honest. And so you end the players are proposing an eight-team, I think, lottery. The owners are talking about a, a three-team. Um, but at the heart of it, you're gonna end up with a lottery, you're still gonna have the worst teams, performing teams pick in the best players. And there's no immediate impact. Those teams aren't going to get any better in that year. It isn't going to help them in that year. It isn't, or the next, the following year. So for me, I like it they found some common ground, firstly. It's good that they're finding some topics they agree on. I'm absolutely all over them looking at this theme. And the theme is competitiveness, competitive balance, and trying to make sure that teams aren't actively setting themselves up to fail. I'm absolutely all in on that. I'm just not convinced that a draft lottery is the solution to that problem. It may be part of the solution, but honestly, I don't believe that that is going to move the needle in in any sort of way, in my opinion. Um, I'm happy to take your other views on this. Let me know, guys. Like I said, I don't follow follow the NFL. uh, Sorry, the, the NBA. So I don't really have a deep understanding of how it's worked. But like I said, from what I can what I can see, it's you know these these guys that are being drafted are immediate impact dudes that are gonna help those those NBA teams and clubs in the next season right away, and likely will be big contributors. The same is true perhaps of of baseball drafts, but the the time frame is very very different. So I think that is the key difference. So that was the first one. Uh, there's a couple of other topics to to get into now. Before we get there, uh, time to tell you about our guys over at Built Bar. US ads with the British twist, and it is the new year, guys. It means New Year's resolutions. Are you sticking with it? It is the 18th of Jan. I'm still off the alcohol, off the sauce, off the booze. If yours are about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar, what is it? It's a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. It's easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes good. You want to eat them, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. That does not sound good. Absolutely not. There's so many, so many flavors to choose from, from Built. You've got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, so many more. Go and check them out, Built.com. If you see something you like and you want to place an order, Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. Built.com. Okay, guys. So, that's the lottery. And the theme there, like I mentioned, is competitive balance and having a competitive product on the field. So, we're going to revisit that theme, I think, as things go on. And also, there were some elements that weren't touched in that in this discussion, but... Here's, I think, the other things that we that we saw or what we learned from this. I think this is interesting too. Is the service time manipulation. So that's the other theme. Another problem with baseball is teams are incentivized not to play their best players, young players, young prospects. They're not because of the way service time works. So this is, again, it, it's in a similar vein. It's in a similar vibe of trying to solve that problem. The problem is, here's at the root. The root is teams want to have the maximum amount of control at the optimal time of a player. So when they are in their peak 
performance production, the teams want to have that control because what does the control mean? It means you are getting an undervalue dollar amount associated to that player for six years. Six years, if they are a superstar, if they are a Juan Soto, etc., you are getting six years of full control at undervalue dollar amounts. That's at the heart of it. And so what are the what are the organizations trying to do? They're trying to protect that. They're trying to make sure that they get full value out of these undervalued, on a dollar perspective, assets. That's the, that's the point of it. So what's being proposed? I think this is interesting. So it's good, again, that Major League Baseball has, you know, they've spotted this, that it is a problem. It's a talking point, and it absolutely should be. It's a theme, and it kind of feeds into competitive balance in some ways. But, you know, fundamentally, this is about getting players cheaper than they're worth. That's at, that's at the heart of it. But what have, what has MLB put forward? I think this is an interesting concept. They're proposing a reward linked to a you know top prospects, like a, hundred, a top 100, 150 overall ranked dude. If those guys play and they qualify for certain major awards, like Rookie of the Year, for example, um, there will be a potential reward for those clubs potentially in the form of like a, a draft pick or compensation. Um, so the idea is that, hey, we'll we'll get Max Meyer up now. Max Meyer's ready, maybe not, maybe he isn't. I mean, maybe that isn't the best example, but let's use Max Meyer as a Marlins uh, fan base. We want to, Max Meyer's shot up there now. He Maybe maybe we've held him back before because we, we wanted to retain the extra year of control. And so... The idea is actually Max is ready. We, we he cracks the opening day rotation. He's ready to rock and roll, and he then become he, he places let's say third overall for rookie of the year. The Marlins maybe then on the back of that get a third round pick in the future draft, which would be what the twenty twenty three draft. Um, that's what the Marlins would get. So effectively, here's here's the carrot for the Marlins. Play Max Meyer now. A you get the production now. He's if he's ready, and. If he performs and qualifies against certain criteria, the Marlins will then get a third round pick in 2023. Okay, here's the problem with that in that I'm not convinced that's a needle mover either. I don't think that is enough of an encouragement for the for the clubs. I don't think it is because you're giving away one year of additional control on Max Meyer. We all see as a potential future ace and the reward a, what, third round pick, you know, 120th pick overall in the draft in 2023. I'm sorry, but those values don't align. They don't. They absolutely don't. So that's the problem. I understand what they're trying to do. It makes some sense. However, the values do not align whatsoever. So with that being said, I just can't see it happening. I mean, if players are ready and the clubs are happy to put them in, all of a sudden you get a free a free draft pick in the third round. Okay, great, that's useful. But if they are truly in that kind of service time manipulation mode, then I'm not convinced that a third round pick in a future draft is really a needle mover. What are the other options in this space? I think that's interesting. What could be done instead? And I think at the heart of service time manipulation, it's... It's trying to put more of an an age, I guess, an age limit on these players where 
This is all about when they reach free agency. That's at the heart of it. And so if you change that approach where you reach free agency irrespective of service time by a certain age or plate appearances or innings pitched or whatever it may be, um, I guess that's still up for manipulation. Age can't be manipulated. You are, you know, no one can beat father time. And so for me, that probably is the only way, the only obvious and relatively simple way to try and solve this problem. You are a free agent at age 29 or over. There you go. Clean and simple, right? You are a free agent at age 30 or over. Whatever the number is, at that point, at the end of that year, you go to free agency based on age, irrespective of service time. Would that solve it? Maybe. It might do. I don't know. I haven't really thought deeply about whether that, that truly would be the solution to it. Um, but either way, it's an interesting... Again, the league is putting forward proposals that solve some of the major problems in baseball, and they are tanking and service time manipulation. Two of the things that the fans hate. They also hate all this kind of blackout nonsense. I, we don't get that in the UK, so I don't feel that directly, but blackouts seems like a nonsense, and it feels to me like they're the kind of TV side really also needs kind of ripping up and starting again to more accurately reflect the modern day situation but i don't want to deviate into that that wasn't discussed in this session so you know let's not let's not kind of dwell on that here's what else we learned and for me i think this is this is nailed on i was going to say locked on but <laughs> that would be too close uh, to the <laughs> too close to home on that one so it is nailed on for me here's what we know you've got a 14 team uh playoff 14-team playoff that has been proposed, including a DH. And for me, that will happen. I, I just The DH is nailed on. I mean, that isn't really a needle mover either. It's like, this is a, such a minor point. But as fans, as a, and as a, an NL fan, and seeing the NL have the DH in 2020, the product on the field, it was miles better. It was miles better. The impact it has of not having the pitcher hitting at some spot in the lineup is is massive. It really is. And that's what we want. We want we want proper hitters up there, you know, keeping these momentum drives going. We do. And looking back on 2020, uh, the 2020 season, the Marlins themselves, it was really interesting the way they kind of set up their lineup, where you ended up with speed top and tailed in the lineup, if you recall. You go back to the days where you had like Miggy Rowe, I think, almost hitting ninth or eighth. You had you know, John Birdie down there, Mag Sierra. Like, the way it worked, the, the, the thought process was, let's have speed guys as the lineup flips. So you end up going, let's just you know, go back and think. You had you know, Miggy Rowe, Mags, John Birdie, Jazz Chisholm maybe at the back end of the year. Like, all kind of queued up. And then all of a sudden, you'd get into you know, Aggie, uh, Cooper Loop, etc. So the harder the lineup comes with maybe some speed guys in advance. And the way it worked for the Marlins, it was great. I mean, you know, they were running wild on the bases. You remember Monte Harrison was was in those lineups. He was stealing bags. Mag Sierra, John Birdie was stealing home. Like it was a lot of fun. The Marlins as a team, they were very, very aggressive with the base running and successful with the base running. And clearly that was not uh, an approach that kind of carried over into 2021. But for me, guys, I'm going to have to put it out there. The expanded playoffs are happening. For all the people out there that are saying, oh, expanded playoffs, you know, it's perfect as it is. 
at the heart of these discussions, the players want more money. And at the heart of it from the owners, they've already showed their hand and I've shared this many times. The owners have already called it out. The way for us to recoup the, this money that you want extra, we're going to have to expand the playoffs. And I think it's a win for the players too. Like it really is. It gives more teams more, you know, they're in it for longer. They truly are. It's topical because we're just at the back end now of wild, super wild card weekend of the NFL. And there's been some interesting parallels that have been drawn, I guess, to what expanded playoffs can mean in terms of what you then see on the television and the competitiveness. So we're going to dive into that very shortly. Uh, before we get there, it's time to tell you about Bet Online AG. And they want to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On. So one word, Locked On, to get started. For basketball, football, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 22. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Okay, so back to NFL and wildcard weekend. I think this is really interesting. Like, there's a really interesting topic that came out over the weekend where effectively across the NFL all weekend, it was blowout after blowout. <laughs> it really was. The teams, the higher seeded teams all playing at home pretty much all dominated other than the Cowboys getting rocked by the, the 49ers. And it's another interesting one with the Cowboys because th this is, again, is something I've been pondering on. The Cowboys are playing in a division that is very weak. And so they end up seeding by a record. But the schedules, it's an imbalanced schedule. It's the same with baseball, where you, you make seedings based on your win-losses, right? But you don't play the same teams in the same, in the same number of games. For example, the English Premier League, right? You play every team twice. There is no geographical or division-based scheduling you have to play everyone twice, home and away. And at the end of it, who has the best record wins the league. In baseball, the seedings are based on win-losses and division wins, but everyone plays different schedules, and it's the same in the NFL. So the Cowboys, hey, the Cowboys looking good. They're the three-seed. Problem is, it's an inflated three-seed. Like, they're playing terrible teams in the division multiple more times than anyone else. Um, and, and thus, they then come up against... The San Francisco 49ers, who are in a tough division. They also, you know, they had three teams make it from their division. Plus, the Seahawks are never a, a you know, a, a rollover either. And so, all of a sudden, a six-seed 49ers, they they outplayed the, the Cowboys easily. And, and actually, it didn't shock me at all. I, I think, you know, the, the Niners looked in great shape. But, you know, going back to this point, the, the way the scheduling is based, it does create this situation where we believe, we look at the numbers, we look at the wins, losses, and think teams are good overall. But it's, own, it's all about who they're playing and when they're playing them. And the reality is, the NL East has and is, it's a tough division. It is. It absolutely is. There's other divisions that are weaker. That's just the way it goes. So when you compare uh, win-losses and it's, it links to seedings in playoffs, it, it does have an impact. But 
going back to the original topic I was making, I'm going way off of, off piste on this one, but anyway, hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> the the th- the thing with um, the playoffs, with you know, the conversations that got rolling were, oh well, this is this is shocking. You've just you've added too many teams in. There's too many terrible teams, and they're playing against you know it's 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 weakening the product. And I can understand that view. We all want close games, but listen, the eyeballs were on those games, irrespective. They were still on them. There was a lot. The matchups looked great. They looked enticing. There's a lot of big teams made it into the playoffs that maybe shouldn't have done. Philadelphia Eagles, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, these these big teams made it to the postseason. A lot of eyeballs on those teams. And the games weren't great. But listen, the Rams last night just played against the, the Cardinals. So would have legitimately been uh, a, a traditional wildcard game there, perhaps. And the Rams absolutely blitzed them anyway. So, you know, it is what it is. On some, on any given day in, in the NFL, one team can outplay the other. The interesting part in baseball, though, it's different to the NFL, where from one day to the next, you've got a different starting pitcher on the mound. So that's a difference. It's like going, well, okay, for the Marlins, great. We're going to roll out Sandy Alcantara in game one. Um, and then in game two, you know, let's call that, that's Tom Brady, right? I mean, all of a sudden, I made a Sandy Alcantara, Tom Brady leap. That is wild. But nevertheless, you get the point. Next thing is, on the next game, you're then rolling out your next starter. Tom Brady is now off the field for game two. It's the point I'm making. That's why it's so different in baseball, where it isn't about the, the, the starters. It's all about the depth, the roster, the rotation. And that's why, in baseball, I feel like the difference is much shorter. It's much smaller. It really is between good teams and, and okay teams. It, it really, the, the difference doesn't show up anywhere near as much as in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think this expanded playoffs will be happening and I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and in reality, if, you know, like a Brewers made it in 2020. Uh, they made it, I think, with a an under five hundred record. The Brewers made it. They had, they uh, here's your your reward. You face the Dodgers, and the Dodgers spanked them, and that was the end of it. The Brewers had something to play for. The Dodgers progressed. They carried on, and actually, the Dodgers stayed hot. This is the thing. All this talk about buys. Does buy weeks help you? Problem is, if you're not playing baseball for a week, you go cold. You can. I think teams like to keep playing and stay hot. Personally, that's how I'd like. And, you know, going into the NFL now, it's going to be interesting. You've had the two top seeds sat there for a week. Okay, that may be useful, but at the same time, it's different when you get the competitive juices going. And if you stop those juices and have to shut it down and then restart again, I don't know, you can come out cold. You really can. Some interesting kind of ways to look at that one. But uh, let's kind of wrap up with really what we saw limited or no progress on um, for the end of this episode. Because we're running out of time. We're running way over as normal guys, which is standard. But... Here's the bits that, that had no conversation whatsoever, and it was around service time and around revenue sharing. And in reality, those are the biggest topics knocking around. From a player's perspective, the service time element is probably... Is that priority one? I don't know, but it's close to it. If it isn't priority one, it's it, it must be priority two, service time. And this is the problem. So you have discussion on... I guess, a tier below of priorities for the players and some common ground being created. The problem we're facing here, guys, is there's no discussion on one of, if not the biggest topic that the players want to get into. And it's, again, 
coming around the service time manipulation, the service time for players. Players want to get to free agency and start earning market value quicker. And what does that mean? It's more expensive for the teams and the owners. So that's that is for me the key issue, and I think that is it's discouraging that that hasn't been discussed thus far. The revenue sharing also uh, wasn't even touched upon. Uh, there wasn't really anything new either on the competitive balance tax or the luxury cap or whatever it is. The baseball has no hard cap, but it definitely has some penalties in place for what we'll describe as a soft cap. The players are looking for that to be increased from 210 million up to 245, so a 35 million increase. What does this mean for the Marlins? It means absolutely nothing because the Marlins will absolutely never be spending 245 million per annum on a roster. So as a Marlins fan, it means nothing. This conversation about luxury taxes and thresholds means nothing. And for me, as a Marlins fan, with a with a a team and a an ownership group that is highly unlikely to ever go down this path, I'm all for having this kind of cap element and penalties so it stops Galacticos being created where you just have someone's pay and salary, uh, total salary being just insane and acquiring and scooping up all the best players because I appreciate you've still got to deliver it on the field but at the same time, again, at the heart of US sports is trying to create a competitive playing field for all teams. This is the point. There's no relegation and promotion. This is a franchise model. With that, you are looking to create a competitive balance, making the worst teams better and the best teams worse in some ways uh, because they you know, they can't keep these players forever on these cheap deals. So they at some point have to make some tough, tough decisions. Um, but the players were looking for it to be pumped up. The owners generally were saying they were happy to pump it up, but not to the degree that the players were looking for. And again, this comes down to the players. They're clearly looking for this to be increased to give them the opportunity to earn more money. And ideally, they get to free agency sooner and they have the ability to earn these 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 significant extensions and, and contracts, etc. So, and we're starting to see some of that, aren't we? We're seeing with some of these contracts now, Trevor Bauer last year, Max Scherzer this year. You start to see some really high-value smaller length contracts which is kind of really quite a step change I'd say for baseball Um, so and I think the other topic that was not really discussed but is kind of in conversation is around the league minimum number and you're looking to increase that and I think the owners are again I think there's a shared consensus on this that it will be increased Uh, I put out there that the, the current owners increased proposal I believe is in real terms uh, a net pay cut due to inflation right now and inflation's insane in the US and globally but I mean hopefully that will will kind of realign and rebalance but yeah right now the owners are proposing like a five percent increase taking up to like six hundred thousand per annum for league minimum uh, whereas inflation is more like seven percent right now and so real terms it's a two percent pay cut for the players um, and for everyone we should all be negotiating at least seven percent increases on our uh, our annual salaries, um, I think the players are looking for something in the range of seven seven five with a kind of an increased element, maybe based on performance or service time up to eight fifty. And I think this is again at the heart of things. Players want to be rewarded. They want to have. There's a league minimum, and and it's a way below value minimum, particularly for middle to above average players. 
But players still want the opportunity to go up a tier if they are performing and delivering on the field. And thus they then get into arbitration. Thus, you know, it keeps on kind of ticking up on their way to free agency. It's a really, it's a really interesting model and it's a really complex topic, I think. So anyway, we're going we're gonna to leave it there for, for today, guys. I think in summary, for me, the sides are talking. There's some shared points that we're trying to address here, which is, which is for me, it's productive and encouraging. At the same time, there's many issues that seemingly haven't progressed whatsoever. And unfortunately, many of those issues are the real challenging ones. So it's all well and good starting with the low-hanging fruit. Maybe that's the vision. Let's start with some low-hanging fruit. Let's get some negotiation momentum going. Let's get some yeses and some agreements. And then let's get into the the meat and, and potatoes of, of this, of the heart of this. Uh, really at the heart of it is the owners want expanded playoffs irrespective. That's going to happen. The owners want to keep, I guess, sweating and maximizing their assets, which is Major League Baseball. It's growing. It's grown exponentially in the last couple of years. Absolutely. At the same time, they're trying to keep their operating costs as low as they can. And those operating costs include the players. And the players are looking to increase their their ability to earn more uh, earlier even in the control years, and also then get to free agency sooner so they can then negotiate their own deals based on their abilities, their market value, and also maybe their preferences in terms of where they want to play baseball. So there's a lot to get into. There really is. There's so much to get into. And this, I'm still, I've said it a few weeks back, for me, I, I, I definitely see a shortened 162 season. I do. We're in. We're you know heading towards February now. We're nowhere near an agreement on any of the major topics, and for me, these topics are so big that I'd be shocked if we had baseball happening in in May. Major League Baseball maybe even happening in May. Like it feels, it just feel we feel so far off, which is very discouraging, particularly for us as fans and also as the host of a podcast that will be <laughs> switching back to daily pods if the lockout continues. So. Guys, let's stay positive, though. I know poor John Boy, he's he's kind of lost his head yesterday. He's kind of losing his mind and starting to kind of see this for what it is. But a few negative connotations towards that. But I think when we strip it all back, it's all about money. And the players are trying to get the best deal they can. And the owners are trying to get the best deal they can. Let's hope they find a way to make something happen. Get a deal done. Get baseball scheduled. It was great to see the Marlins putting out there. These are our plans for the regular season. We've got Legacy Saturdays. Nice. That looks awesome, by the way. So every home game, you've got the, the City Connects on. Spring training tickets are starting to be released. Like All this normal stuff is still going ahead, even though in reality we have no agreement. So I love that from the Marlins and from the other teams. So let's stay positive, guys. In the meantime, we're going to come back later on this week. A few other topics to get into. We've had the international signing period. I have to hold my hands up. I know very limited amount of the players involved but I will try my best to either find someone that can help or try and decode it myself so there's that to get into hopefully we've got Isaac Azut as well joining on so we're going to carry on the hashtag Marlins Twitter madness conversations I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun with Isaac so in the meantime guys that is me Peter Pratt out for the day thank you for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day and we'll be back tomorrow on Wednesday